Welcome to Heritage Church. So proud of you guys, braving all that horrible weather. Isn't it hysterical? We get just a little bit of snow and suddenly everybody, the first time it happens, everybody forgets that we're, we live in Michigan, right? Snow happens a lot around here, but uh, you guys braved it. That's fantastic. Uh, looks like most of you lived through it, which is fantastic as well. Uh, I'm Jeff Forrester. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in a message series called 21 Days of Prayer. And uh, uh, this week has been just fantastic. We've been meeting every morning to pray. Uh, we've been praying for you. We've been praying for the people that you care about. We've been praying about several different things. We have a kind of a, a little prayer guide that we're using and discussion time. Sometimes we're praying alone and sometimes we're praying in groups. And it's just been a really great experience. We've had, oh man, we've had over 100 people joining us each morning uh, between here and Emily City. And it's been really great. But if you've missed it, uh, that's okay, because uh, today, today is the official launch of 14 Days of Prayer. <laughs> right? It's never too late to pray. That's what we're trying to say. It's okay. So you missed one or two. We had so many people who would pop in. You know, they'd hit it right at 6 o'clock, and they would pop in and then have to get up and leave at 6.15. That's Okay. That was great. We had several people who said, you know what, I've got some early morning meetings, but uh, uh, I can make it on this day and this day. And they joined us. We had other people who had come in pretty late, like, you know, 10 minutes before we ended, and would jump in and, and pray for a few minutes with us. So whatever your schedule's like, if it's at all possible and you're anywhere near Hall and Shaner between 6 and 7, jump in and join us. We have I, I, every single group I've sat in. So I keep getting up, moving around. It's funny. First day I come in, I was looking for a group that only had a few people, and I come over and I sit down, and I'm all happy, and, and uh, we pray. And then the next day I go to that same spot. I had two people come up, shake my hand, pat me on the back, and went and sat somewhere else. I didn't have anybody sit with me. I'm like... You know, I bathed before I came. I'm not sure what that was. So I got up and I went and sat with another group. And then the next day I went to go to that group and nobody was sitting in those chairs, right? So I realized people don't like praying with Jeff, right? That's the scary thing. So you don't have to pray with me. Uh, but here's what I did to discover. I discovered that um, there were people in every single group I've sat in so far this week that when, you know, we'd maybe have a moment when we're praying out loud together and we challenge each other, hey, pray one sentence. So whatever we're talking about. We're praying that God would protect our children. So maybe just say one sentence, God, protect my children, whatever, you know. But if you don't want to, just say pass. And in every single group, I had somebody who wasn't yet ready to pray out loud, and they just said pass, but they were praying with us. I know they were praying in their heart. It was a meaningful experience. So we're not making you do anything you don't want to do, but we do want to help you uh, be able to take your next step of faith, and, and God hears prayers. I, I would say this. We might want to set my message um, time here, or I'm never going to finish. I have a countdown clock in front of me right here, and it starts off in uh, uh, white, and then when I go too long, it goes red. Right? 
but if they don't set it, I'm not responsible for how long I go today. That's all I want to say about that. So tomorrow starts 14 days of prayer, and uh, we want you to be a part of that, and uh, it's going to be great. So today, I'm going to talk about, I think, this is my favorite prayer in all of the Bible. And we're going to use, uh, our idea for 21 Days of Prayer came from uh, a guy, one of my heroes uh, named Chris Hodges. He pastors Church of the Highlands down in Alabama. Uh, extraordinary leader. And he really, when he preaches, really speaks to me. And so we kind of built the 21 Days of Prayer around them. We've learned from them. And uh, uh, this message that he, he preached really hit me between the eyes. I've heard Prayer Jabez preach many, many times, but just, I don't know, something jumped off the, the, the screen, something jumped off the page, and so I just wanted to bring this one to you today. First Chronicles, I think, is one of the toughest books to read. Um, it, it's, it's the one it, it, in the Old Testament, it's not the only one, but it's one of them that has like page after page after page of, and this guy was the father of this guy, and this guy was the father of this guy, and this guy was the father. And I'm like, okay. And I turn the page, and it keeps going. And this guy's the father of this guy, and this guy. And I turn the page again. 600 names are mentioned in the six, 600 names, right? And, and in the old King James, it was, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. 600 Names. Most of these names I can't even pronounce. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of these 600 names, the Bible pauses and gives this one guy an honorable mention. He's only mentioned just in a couple of verses in the whole Bible. But he gets this honorable mention in the middle of this list of 600 names. And uh, here's what it says in First Chronicles chapter 4. It's in your program. You can pull the notes out. We'll put it up on the big screen too. He says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. <laughs> the word in his language, this is true. In the language that they spoke at that time, Jabez was the, was the word for pain. Hi, I'd like to introduce you to my family. Here's Billy, and here's Bobby, and here's Betty, and there's pain. <laughs> right? Can you imagine growing up with that name? <laughs> Just unbelievable, right? So uh, right in the middle of all this, here he is, the pain. And, and he, this is one of the reasons I think it really resonates with me is many of us have found our lives trapped by labels that other people put on us. Uh, you know, you're not smart enough, you, you're not as good as your brother, you're not as smart as your sister, you're never going to make anything of your life, whatever, right? You're labeled by the things that you've done in your past, you're labeled by the things that have happened to you in your past, just trapped, and those things define you. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything more defining than having your name be pain. So wouldn't you think that this guy named pain, when he has an opportunity to pray to God, don't you think he would, you know, really focus on the pain, right? It seems like it, but he doesn't. He doesn't just dwell on his past. He's talking to God about now, and he's talking to God about his future. And so he goes on and says, Jabez cried out, cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And the Bible says, and God granted his request. So sure, there's a little bit about understanding what his past was about, but the majority of it was looking forward. He wasn't trapped by his past. He was trusting his past to God. That's why he ends the prayer that way. But he's looking forward. God, in my life now and in the future, I need these things from you. 
So here's what I want to do. I want to break down the four big things. And I find myself praying these things often. And uh, uh, at least for the last decade or so, these four things come up. You can pray them. You can spend 20, 30 minutes praying these things. You can pray them in a minute, right? So it's not about the length of your prayers. It's really about what's going on in your heart. So I want to give you this one. And then through the week, this week, uh, during our our morning prayers, we're going to focus in on each of these things. We're going to teach you how to pray even more specifically in each of these four areas this week. So the first one, if you're filling in the blanks, is pray for blessing. This is what Jabez did. Oh, that you would bless me. Right? That's what he says. That God would stoop down into my life and give me what he has that he knows that I need for my life. And by the way, this isn't just a money conversation. Right? It's part of it, sure. It's part of it. But we're also talking about the favor of God. Look what he says. King David says in Psalm chapter 18, You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me and you stoop down to make me great. From heaven down to earth, God uh, uh, works in the affairs of men. It's particularly uh, those people, men and women who choose to go to God and say, God, I I need you to intervene on my my behalf to stoop down from heaven and to, to make me great. Now, Heritage Church is not a health and wealth kind of a church, a name it and claim it, right? Blab it and grab it kind of a church. It's not what we're about. Uh, But I do believe that God wants you to have more. I do. I honestly believe that, that God desires for his people to be prosperous. I believe that God desires for his people to have more, but there's a caveat to that. I believe that God wants you to have more so you can be more of a blessing to others. It's not just about what you can get. Uh, as a matter of fact, on the way out the door, you'll notice over on that side, we have up on the wall, it's not about us. That's been a, a founding thing for the last 19 years here at Heritage Church. The history of Heritage Church has been about the fact that it's not just about us. So we're not a health and wealth prosperity kind of a church, but I do believe God wants you to have more so that you can be more of a blessing to others. As a matter of fact, God says this in the book of Genesis. He says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. When God pours out blessing on you, do you benefit from God's blessing when blessing falls on you? Absolutely, you benefit. Sure you do. But there's a difference between you and others. Uh, Other people go, thanks for the blessings, and hoard it and hide it. But Heritage Church is not that way. The people at Heritage Church aren't that way. We say, God, you blessed us. Now help us to be a blessing to others. We're looking outward. Even while we benefit, we're looking to be a benefit to others. I don't want to lead a church that's just barely meeting its own needs each week. I want to be a church that's able to be a blessing to people all around the world, in in every neighborhood, every community, every region of our state and our nation and all around the world. And, And so that's going to mean that God's people don't just pray that God meets our needs, but it's okay for you to say, God, make me prosperous. Help me to go beyond my needs. And if you do, if you give me more than what I currently need to get by, God, I want to be an extravagant blessing to others as well. I have a, a hero I look up to that uh, he wound up signing an, an extraordinary book deal at one point in his life back about 25 years ago, and it was outrageous. The advance he got was insane, um, beyond anything I've ever heard anybody getting before. And so he and his wife paused, and they put all that money in the bank, and they just stopped, and they said, for three months, we're not even going to touch that, because he didn't realize that was the kind of offer that they were going to make him. And they just prayed about it. And finally, both of them came to the same conclusion, how much is enough, Right? And then he did this whole thing about enough is enough. And so uh, basically they pegged their lifestyle to being in the, you know, pretty reasonable lifestyle for the community that they were in. And they decided to leverage all the rest that God gave them uh, throughout the rest of their life. They would give 
give away, to make a difference. And God's let them give away so much. Now, they live a fantastic life. They got the boats, they go on the trips, they do all the stuff, but enough is enough. And I think it's fair for every one of us to ask ourselves, how much is enough? And then God, anything else that you give me, anything else that's extravagant, anything else that you, you bless me with, God, I want to be a blessing to others. Stop just praying for your needs and pray for more than you need so that you can be a greater blessing to those around you and around the world. You know, that's one of the things, even Heritage Church is this way. God uh, provides for our needs, but he gives us more than we need. We just planned, helped plan over 100 churches uh, this year around the world, right? And we've got hundreds and hundreds of people going locally and globally this year. By, by the way, you should go, right? You, you should go with us. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the service. But you should think about that, that God would bless you so you can be a blessing to others. Number two, if you're filling in the blanks, pray for influence. It's reasonable. The Bible says of all these 600 names that he mentions, he pauses and he says this one guy gets honorable mention. He prays for blessing. He prays for the favor of God in his life. He prays for more resources and all those things. Uh, And then he prays for influence. At the end it says, and God answered his prayer. God gave him what he asked for. It's it's reasonable to ask for influence. He says in uh, uh, verse 10, enlarge my territory. Right? Expand my influence. Expand the area that I have, the, the, the realm that I have to be able to influence others. God, expand that. It's important for you, for you specifically, to understand that God has available to you a life that is far bigger than just you. When you realize there's more, you'll find real purpose. Uh, my friend Rick Warren, a number of years ago, back, uh, man, alive, 15 years ago, 18 years ago now, wrote, wrote a book. It's the number one top-selling nonfiction hardcover book in the history of the world, right? And uh, he sold 35 million copies. Unbelievable. And the very first book, a lot of people viewed it. Everybody got excited about it. Everybody's reading about it. It was in the newspaper. It was on TV. All the famous people were reading it. Everybody was talking about it. And uh, it, 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 was, it was touted. It wasn't how he wrote it, but it was touted as a, a, a great self-help book. <laughs> the very first sentence in Rick's book says, it's not about you, <laughs> right? So I don't know why they sold it like it was because it wasn't behind, he wasn't behind that idea. It starts off, it's not about you. That, that one statement has really captured my heart and my attention. When you begin to realize that God has a purpose for your life and that God has a plan that's just bigger than you, life is bigger than you, and God wants to use you in a way that is bigger than just your life. Successful people find real purpose. That's what we're talking about. When you realize that life is bigger and that you're bigger than just you and that God has a plan for you to use you in extraordinary ways, that's the beginning of what I see in so many successful people when they discover real purpose. Paul tells us, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. He said, man, I wish your eyes would be open. I wish you could understand how much more God has for you. This extraordinary hope that goes way beyond just muddling through life and barely getting by. God has an adventure for, mo- for all of us, and, and most of us wind up just muddling through life and saying no. I, I don't know if you knew, knew this. No almost never leads to adventure. You know that, right? 
no almost never leads to big opportunities. I'm not saying you need to say yes to everything. We have to be strategic with our no's. But listen, we need to learn to say yes more often when opportunities come. But oftentimes we sell ourselves short. We don't believe we've got what it takes or it's impossible. God starts leaning on our lives. Hey, you should go here. You should do this kind of thing. You should be a part of that. And uh, oh, I don't know enough. I can't go. Or I don't have enough money. I can't be a part of it. Or I don't have the same background. Or I'm not as important as other people. If God opens the door for you, just say yes. Adventure is just on the other side of that door. Oftentimes, success is just on the other side of that door. The next opportunity that you need is just on the other side of that yes. And he's saying, I pray that God would open the eyes of your heart so you can see this hope that God has, this extraordinary purpose that he has. And then he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. When you have God's hope in your life, you have purpose. This inheritance, by the way, that he's talking about, you know, we think of inheritance like it's cash, right? Cash and and houses and cars and jewels. Um, But when God talks about inheritance, he's talking about other things, not just the financial side. As a matter of fact, often when he's talking about an inheritance for the saints, he's talking about other people that we will be able to lead to Jesus, other people that we will be able to bring to faith. As a matter of fact, inheritance in this passage, I believe, is talking about that. The goal is not the function of your purpose, it's the focus of your purpose. That's the goal. Not just the function, but the just getting the job done, not just being able to collect you know, resources because of what you're trying to do. It's, it's, not the, the focus, or it's not the function of your purpose, it's the focus of your purpose. It's the people. Look what he says. God says, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. God said, just ask me. I'll give you the world. That's what God says. You're not asking. That's why. Now, oftentimes we're saying, God, give me the moon. Give me the moon. Give me the world. Give me everything. I want it all. It's about us. But when God says, hey, when others are your focus, right? It's not just what you want, but when, when, when you begin to desire the things that I desire and, and God desires to bring the whole world to himself, God says, when you begin praying like that, I'll give you everything you need. I'll give you everything you need. If your focus is the same as my focus, if you're desiring to reach the ends of the earth like I'm desiring to reach the ends of the earth, if you're desiring to, to reach the world, God says, I'll make the nations your inheritance. I'll give you the ends of the earth will be your possession. God says, I'll give you influence with people if you just ask. God wants to use you to influence people. There are people that need you to dream of having greater influence for God's kingdom. There's, there's family members and friends and coworkers and classmates and, and, and people in your community and in your neighborhood, people that you're around who need you right now. They don't even know it, but they desperately need you to begin dreaming that God would use you and would expand your influence and give you opportunity and give you courage to be able to, to, to influence them into heaven. You know, this weekend, 19 years ago, was the first Sunday Heritage Church ever met. Did you know that? 19 years ago. It's our 19th anniversary. We're almost real grown-ups, right? That's great. Uh, so uh, 19 years ago, we launched, and, and th- this is just incredible. There were less than 100 people decided to, to uh, we have 100 people sitting right over there, just in that little piece, right? And this is on a snowy Sunday. Uh, we'll have so many people, but less than 100 people laid everything on the line to launch Heritage Church. There were no buildings. There's just one staff member, Pastor Bob, right? Pastor Bob Harvey. And uh, there were a few volunteers. There wasn't much of a band. As a matter of fact, our first, I don't know if you knew this, our first band was an accordion in 2000. Can you imagine? You can't start churches with accordions. 
Not even in 2000. You can't do it, right? If somebody, uh, so I sit on, on teams that help assess guys and uh, men and women that are coming together to plant churches. And they'll come with their ideas and they'll come with their strategies. And we'll help refine that because, you know, it's important to have a solid plan in place. And so far, we've never, in my experience, I've never helped to approve a team who said, well, here's our plan for worship. We got this amazing accordion player. Right, but that's, that's what we did. So we didn't have, you know, uh, uh, just one staff member, didn't have any buildings, just a few volunteers, no band. Uh, there were no new believers yet. It was just Christians that were coming together. And, you know, they just started. There was no amazing HC Kids program or space. And there was no HC Youth and their amazing space. There was no YA, the Young Adults program. It was just a dream. And it was a willingness to do whatever it took. They had a prayer they wanted to engage the community. Uh, they wanted to engage their neighborhood. How many of you live in the vicinity within, let's say, two miles or three miles within the vicinity of Romeo Plank and 24 Mile Road? How many of you live within two miles of Romeo Plank and 24 Mile Road? Raise your hand high, really high. How many of you do not? Put your hands down. How many of you do not live, look at that, within two miles? That's incredible. Because when they first decided to do this, they were, God, help us make a difference in this neighborhood. And that was their dream, right? You got to start somewhere. It's always wise to start small. But they began to ask God to, to grow their influence for his kingdom. And here we are 19 years later. There's 3,300 people who call Heritage Church home. Less than 100 to 3,300 people who call Heritage Church home. We got over 500 children and teenagers and young adults. We've got over 70,000 square feet of, of space. Uh, we've got 1,100 volunteers Thousands and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of man hours, thousands of man hours just volunteering down in the city of Detroit. We feed over 30,000 people per year through our pantry. We've served hundreds of homeless in our county, and we helped start eight different churches here in the U.S. and over 100 worldwide. And we've had the opportunity to train hundreds of pastors and church leaders. And we launched a campus up in Emily City. They'll have over 300 today because they're not afraid of snow, right? <laughs> It takes Michigan people, by the way, to reach Michigan people. And nowhere in the country I've ever been around all the church planners that I get to be around, all these guys that are dreaming of starting new churches. I've never had somebody say, you know where I want to go? I want to go right here to the thumb of Michigan. Nobody. Right? It takes Michigan people to reach Michigan. And so we decided that's what we're going to do. We're just going to keep planting churches here in the state of Michigan. And, and, and so Emily City was, was the first. We launched Hope Church, which is a, a church specifically targeted at Arabic-speaking people, people who don't even really hardly speak English at all. And today they'll have over 300 people as a part of Hope Church. We just spun them off. They were a campus here at a church, and we just spun them off this summer so they can be an independent church. And they're just doing so great. They hosted the single largest gospel evangelistic event for Arabic-speaking people in the entire Western Hemisphere this year. Is that amazing, right? We got to be a part of that. That's what we did. We went from praying, God, help us to reach a few hundred people in this two or three-mile area to going, how do we do the largest Arabic-speaking event in the Western Hemisphere to bring Jesus to them, right? That's a big difference. And it's because we continually ask God, God, expand our territory. Give us more. But I'll tell you the best part, and this is the part I love. This is the part we celebrate with our, our leaders and those original founders. We got together this week, and, you know, Jesus loved his, his uh, followers, and he, he got down and he washed their feet. And I'm not a very good Christian, but I, I'll barbecue some hamburgers for them. So that's what I did. I wasn't going to wash your feet, but I borrowed some, uh, barbecued, grilled some hamburgers. We got together with some of the founders this week and, and just celebrated. And here's the thing I celebrated. Over the last 19 years, we baptized 2,304 brand new believers at Heritage Church. Right? Think about that for a minute. 
That 2,000 people is larger than the neighborhood population right directly around where we launched on that day. That's what we've done. We keep praying, God, give us more. We want, we want to take a bigger bite. Not because we're greedy. We understand it's not about us. There's just so many people who don't yet know Jesus. One of my heroes, his name's uh, C.T. Studd. Uh, he, he died at age 70 in the Congo in 1931. He was a world-famous athlete. Everybody all throughout the British Empire knew him at the time. He was born into a pretty wealthy family. He had several brothers, but they all inherited a lot of money. And before he opened up what his inheritance was going to be, he sat down not knowing how much he was going to inherit, and he wrote checks to give all of it away. He didn't want any of it to affect him. And so he wrote checks to the Salvation Army and he wrote checks to George Mueller's Orphanage and to Moody Bible Institute and all these places among other organizations. He gave it all away even before he found out how much he was gonna inherit. And then he went and left. He left Britain and uh, left his fame and fortune and all that stuff. And, and he went to Southeast Asia and he started what wound up being one of the most effective mission projects and organizations in all of Southeast Asia. And he was there uh, for uh, almost a little over a decade. And then he moved to India, and he was there for nearly a decade, launched one of the largest, most effective uh, uh, evangelism organizations, missions organizations in India, and then God called him to Africa, and he went to Africa. And this is back when it would take you months and months and months to go somewhere. Back in those days, missionaries, they would pack, you know, you'd have to pack your trunks and stuff, take all your stuff with you. Uh, missionaries back then, they would build caskets, and they would put all their stuff in their caskets because they knew they'll probably never make it home. They'll die on the field. And that's what he did. He packed all his belongings in a casket and he just kept going. So he shows up in Africa and he begins to plant churches there, do all these amazing things. And he wrote this amazing poem, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It's extraordinary. Just really great poem. You can look it up. It's a, it's a long one. But here's what C.T. Studd said. This is a challenge to me. And this is kind of where Heritage Church is at. Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. But I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That's what we've been about all along. We're not, it takes unselfish people to grow a church like this. Most Christians, they, they want to sit as close to heaven as possible. We want to sing songs when it's sweet by and by. And when the roll is called up yonder, I'm going to be there and hold the fort. And onward, Christian soldiers, right? That's what we want to do. We want to encourage each other about heaven, and we should be encouraged that there's heaven. But we want instead, Heritage Church has always positioned ourselves within a yard of hell, trying to stop as many people as possible from going. It takes unselfish Christians to do that. C.T. Studd also said, let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. Isn't that awesome? That's what I want. I want the devil to be thrilled when I finally quit breathing around here, when I'm finally off the battlefield. And you should want to live that same life. You want God to use you in the same way. We're going to sing a song. The band's going to come. They're going to sing a song for the one. And it's focused, God, help me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one for whom you loved and gave your son. For humanity, increase my love. Help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth so that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Oh, how he loves us. From the homeless to the famous and in between.
Thank you. <clears throat> Let me finish up with this. If you want to, uh, pray for presence. Pray for presence. Because I dare you to pray that prayer, the previous one, right? God, use me to influence others. And if you do, 
If you pray that God expands your territory, that he gives you greater influence for others, what you're going to find out is the same thing I found out in my life. And that is, you're going to get way in over your head. You can't do this on your own. So you're going to need God's presence. He says, let your hand be with me. In the book of Acts, I love reading the book of Acts because it's talking about the, the beginning of the very first church and all the miracles that were happening and the expansion of the kingdom of God was happening so rapidly. All these incredible things. And the, uh, the book of Acts tells us the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. When, when, when you begin to ask God to increase your influence, particularly your influence, your ability to lead others to Jesus, you're going to get it over your head and you're going to need God's hand to be with you. All that we've accomplished around here is not because we're a great church. I think Heritage Church is a great church. It's, it's not because we're a great church. It's because God has seen fit to put his hand on us. And that's why we're asking you to join us in this 21 days of 14, 14 days of prayer this week, right? We're praying through the prayer of Jabez this week. And we're praying about the spiritual warfare that we experience as we choose to go and, and, and share the gospel with others. We are desperate as a church for God's presence. And we need God to go with us. I don't know about you. Many people I know are desperate for God to intervene in your life. You need God's presence in your marriage and with your kids. And you need God's presence in your finances. You need God's presence when you go and share the gospel with the people that you love and you care about. Exodus chapter 33 says, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do everything you've asked. Man, what a great prayer to pray. Pray this over your kids every morning. God, I can't go with them. Would you? Right? Pray this over your spouse. I, I can't be with my spouse all day, every day, but God, would you? be with them? God, I can't constantly be managing all the things that I have going on in my life. Would you? I need you to give me more. <coughs> God, I need you to give me more than I need so I can be a blessing. God, increase my influence to allow me to live beyond my potential. And then God, I need you to go with me so that everyone will know it's not because of me and my genius and my strength and my abilities. It's all because of you. And then you're going to need protection. Because man alive, when God's people start having a, a focus, understanding is not about them and looking for God to bless them beyond their, their own needs so they can be a blessing to others and asking God to influence or to increase your influence and then uh, to, to be with you so you can walk in the power of God every day, you're going to catch the attention of the evil one. It, it happens, right? The evil one hates when God's people go all in for him. He does. And so when you start praying prayers like this, you're also going to need to ask for the protection of God. Because here's the thing. Don't be surprised. When you start praying, uh, you know, uh, people say, man, when I start really giving, giving it all for God, it seems like there's a lot, of, a, a, a lot of pushback. There's other things that just push back. So you need God's protection. Hey, it's okay. Because here, look at this. L look at me. Everybody look at me. If you're not butting heads with the devil, that's probably because you're walking with him. Right? Does that make sense? Jesus said, don't be surprised when people hate you for the kingdom. Don't be surprised when there's pushback. Don't be surprised that the enemy's going to want to fight you. But hey, it ain't no big deal. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, the Bible says. I don't have to be afraid. I just go not in my power and in my strength. I go in the power of God. And so Jabez prays, keep me from harm. Peter tells us the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what he says. 
Just walking around, looking. I was watching a show last night on BBC, Planet Earth, right? Uh, oh, no, it wasn't Planet Earth. It was uh, 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 Dynasties. It was this animal thing. I was watching these lions and watching them hunt. I've seen them hunt. Uh, last year, we, we were in, uh, a year and a half ago, I guess, we were in Nakuru in Kenya, and uh, there was a young lioness. There's all these fat lions. They, know they're, they eat in the morning, you know, pretty early, but the young ones, they still haven't learned how to totally hunt. So this young lioness, she was about, like, about this big and about this tall. She saw some warthogs over in the end like this, and I was like to the driver, stop! And she's like crawling like this, you know, and moving faster and faster. And then finally started chasing, of course, the warthogs a lot faster. They ran off, but a uh, little antenna up in the air, take off running. But I've seen them. You see the big ones, you know, we, big giant lions and, and how powerful they are. And oftentimes the male lions in particular, they'll stand up and, and they'll stand at one end of the field and, and another lion will come running in and try to just stir them up. And then the big male lion just roar. Right? And those gazelles will freeze. They don't know what to do next. A lot of times we hear the roar of the devil against us. and We freeze up. We're afraid. We don't want to keep engaging in the battle. It's just a roar. It's just a bunch of noise. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, the Bible says. You, sure, you have an enemy of the soul. But don't be as scared. Don't be naive. Fight. That's what we're supposed to do. We fight against the onslaughts of the devil. We, we stand up and we go against everything that's evil and wrong and everything that's capturing the attention of people that are far from God. We fight the evil one, but not in our own name and not in our own power. We fight it in the mighty name of Jesus because the Bible says at the name of Jesus, every demon has to flee. So fight for your marriage. You don't do that fighting. <laughs> you don't do that screaming. You know how you fight for your marriage? On your knees. Every problem is a prayer problem. Every opportunity is a prayer opportunity. You go to battle against the onslaughts of the evil one on your knees. You fight for your kids. You fight for your friends that are far from God. It's time that God's people got their confidence back. It's time that God's people got their confidence back in the powerful name of Jesus. Because Paul tells us, he reminds us of this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Hey, a lot of you people, you're trying to figure it out, and I do too. You read these books about how to be a winner, how to be successful. I want to be a winner. I want to be successful. Constantly trying to read those things. I do. I do it all the time. I got tons of books on how to be better at what I do. I want to be a winner. But Jesus, the Bible says here, you're not just a conqueror. You're not just a winner. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. It's time for God's people to get our confidence back. And so we go to God the same way Jabez did. We say, God, strengthen me in the battle. Every day. And then God, protect me from every attack of the enemy. Here's what I know. When you pray, you have two choices. You have two choices when you pray. And many of us, just because we're a little immature in our faith, we pray one way, which isn't bad. But there's a more powerful way to pray. And you won't know it until you start doing it. This is why we're inviting you to be a part. There's two ways to pray. You can talk about what you want to talk about to God, right? Which is perfectly fine. God, I've got this pain. I've got these, uh, my past. I've got all these problems. And there's a lot of times what we focus on. We focus on our pain. We focus on our past. We focus on our problems. I'm so sorry for doing this. I got all these problems. I can't pay my bills. And oh, my, my uh, pain. I got all these things, right? You can focus on what you want to talk about or... 
when you start growing up just a little bit, when you start having an outward focus, when you begin to realize the kind of life God blesses and the kind of prayer that God prays, you can start talking about what God wants to talk about. That's when you get his attention, right? Jabez didn't just talk about his pain. He referenced it at the end, but that wasn't the focus of his prayer. Jabez didn't just talk about his pain. He talked about the promise that God had in his life. He talked about God's blessing and God's influence and God's protection and God's presence in his life. Listen, fill this in. Here's the last points. Prayer isn't about inviting God to move toward us. Prayer is about us moving toward God. You understand that? I'm not trying to conjure up God to finally give me everything I need. Instead, when I begin to pray, I'm moving closer and closer to God, saying, God, break my heart for the things that break yours. Because when I say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things are going to be added. You understand? When I'm trying to conjure up God and I'm trying to get him to come closer to me so he'll give me blessings and give me everything I need, God has no real interest in that. Sure, he loves you. He'll provide for you. But when you start drawing closer to God, saying, God, I want my heart to, to, to reflect yours. I want my desires to be your desires. I want to be used for you in the way you made me to be used. I want to fulfill your purpose. I want to increase my influence, not for me, but for you. I, want, I need you to bless on an increased level all of my resources, not just for me, but for others. God, I want to have a, make a difference. I want to have your presence in my life so that I have more power in every area, in my marriage and raising my kids and in my finances, so that the whole whole world goes, there's a person that's walking with God. I was in Cairo a couple years ago, and uh, uh, we were looking for a guy. He's a pretty famous preacher, and I just didn't understand how famous he was. Um, uh, just really dynamic. He's very, very old. Uh, very bad health. He's still alive, but uh, we were going to have him come, and he couldn't, uh, couldn't come anymore. He can't really travel much anymore. Uh, you know, coming here to the U.S. And so uh, we were looking for him. We couldn't find him. And the, the, our cab driver couldn't find the apartment building. So he lived in a high-rise apartment building and uh, couldn't find it. So we pull up and, and there were two Muslim men standing there. They were wearing their galabias and they had their hats on. They had their big beards. They were just coming from prayers. We just heard the call for prayers a few minutes before. Prayers were done. They were just coming back from prayers. These are committed Muslim men. We pulled up and we said, do you know where 16 Granada is? And one of the men, he just got a big, you know, smile. You can see a smile in his eyes. And he leans in and he put his elbows on the thing. And he said, are you looking for Father Makari? That's who we were looking for, Father Makari. For a minute, I paused thinking, I don't know. Do I want to say that? I just gave his address, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, we're looking for Father Makari. He said, let me tell you, that man is a man of God. When he prays, God listens. He says, yeah, his building's right over there. And he pointed, right? Here's a man that would not embrace Father Makari's faith. But because Father Macari walks in the power of God, because, because this is a man that is famous for the fact that he has the power of God on his life, that, he, that God is expanding his influence, that God is blessing him beyond measure, and he is incredibly generous in the city around him, even the people who would perhaps be positioned as his enemy instead step up and go, that's a man of God. This is precisely the way we pray. Not for our own benefit only, but for the benefit of others. And that's when God gets the glory. That's when people go, that person is not doing it on their own. It's the power of God in their life. We need all of Heritage Church to be that kind of person. It's why we're doing 14 days of prayer. So this week, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray through this prayer. We're going to give you more each morning. I want to invite you to be a part because prayer isn't about God moving towards us. Prayer is about us moving toward God. This week, just take a step. 
We have some families that can't make it, right? You got to get your kids ready. So we have a bunch of families that are doing this together. They just grab the prayer guide and they, they read together. They pray together. That's okay. Some, some can't make it, right? You're already on your way to work. Well, then they grab another Christian or two at work and they pray together at work during lunchtime. Right? Just because you can't make it a six doesn't mean you get to blow this one off. Take a step towards God because we need all 2,000 of you that are going to be here this weekend with God expanding your blessings and God expanding your influence and God having his presence in your life and God giving you his protection. Can I pray with you today? I have two prayers. I'm going to pray one prayer for the church, for the people that are in this room that are following God. And I'm going to have one prayer for those who go, today's my day. I need to go all in with Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life to him. So I'm going to give you two prayers. First one's this. Let's pray together. God, bless this church. And when I say church, I mean the people. Bless their marriages. Bless their kids. Bless their health, their emotions. We ask you to stoop down from heaven and put your hand on their finances and on their ideas and on their dreams. Because you have more. You have more for us, not just for ourselves but so that we can be a blessing to others. And so, God, we ask you for more. Make every person in this room understand the influence that we have and make them an influencer. Drop a vision on every person in this room that you have a purpose for them in serving others. God, we can't fulfill your purpose unless you go with us. Otherwise, we're just doing it in our own strength and our own abilities. Don't let us go anywhere that you never intended for us to go. We don't want to go as a church or as individuals. We don't want to go anywhere that you're not telling us to go. But God, help us to run to the places that you do want us to go without hesitation. And then we are desperate for you. We claim the mighty power of the name of Jesus and the power of your word to protect us from the enemy of all mankind. Protect our kids. Protect our marriages. Protect our finances. Protect our hearts and our minds and our priorities. And use us to bring people to you. We pray as Jesus did. Your kingdom come. We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know you want to use us to see that happen. For people in the room, you say, Jeff, today's my day. This is what I really want. I want God in my life. I want to say this. It's salvation. A relationship with God is not because of a church. It's not converting to become a really religious person. It's not converting to become a conservative. You're simply surrendering your life to Jesus and committing to follow him. And then God begins to make the change in you. That's when this prayer that we talked about today really begins to apply to your life and not before. So maybe you pray a prayer like this. Maybe you say, God, I admit I live my life my own way. I'm a sinner. But I believe that Jesus paid the price and he rose again so that my past could be forgiven. So you can give me power to live today and protection. So you give me hope for eternity. So God, today's my day. I cross that line. I open my life to Jesus. Jesus, come in. Make me new. Give me your blessing. Give me your influence. I need your presence. I need your protection. Thank you, Jesus.